Welcome to the Critical Conversations podcast. My name is Brianna Reesing, and I'm a critical care nurse with a true passion for preventative health. I've seen firsthand the impact that poor diet and lifestyle choices can have on us long-term. So with each episode, we'll dive deeper into the realities of our healthcare system, what preventative health truly entails, and what you can do about it. All right, guys. Critical Conversations podcast episode 30. Welcome back. This is the episode you have been asking for ever since Jen and I dove into celery juice back in episode, I believe it was episode 22 and 23. I hope I got that right. During that conversation, Jen mentioned that probably the biggest component into celery juice that allows people to feel better and feel different when starting this new routine is the fact that it's similar to that of a multivitamin. In that conversation, we touched on the difference between high quality multivitamin and bad quality multivitamins, and we really sparked your interest. I don't think we've ever gotten so many questions in regards to one thing that we said in any one episode ever before. You guys wanted to know what's wrong with my multivitamin, which multivitamins should I be taking, what are the brands that I can trust, how do we know the difference between a good supplement and a bad supplement, tell me more. Like I just kept getting messages over and over again. And it got to the point where I just told you, hang tight, we'll work on it. We'll get a whole episode out to you, possibly even two, depending on how long this one goes. And we are going to dive into it deep. So here we are. This episode is for you, all about supplement quality and what multivitamin you really should be focusing on taking if that's part of your routine. So Jen is on the other line with me, Jennifer Klotz, registered dietitian, holistic nutritionist, and she is ready to talk all things supplements. So let's get this conversation started. Hey, Jen. Hi. (laughs) I'm excited. How many questions did we get from that episode? So many. But I know I we were personally really happy about it. Yeah. I mean, I think it was such a small part of that conversation that we just mentioned, not yeah. realizing that it was going to spark such big interest because I think a lot of people are taking a multivitamin that they just found on the shelf that they're not truly certain that it's actually working for them or not. So I think this conversation is going to have some powerful impact. <laughs> I totally. And like you, I was surprised because I didn't even think about it when I said it in that episode. Right. But it's such an important factor. Supplements in general are such an important factor to long term health because the quality of what you are taking is so important. So where do we start this conversation? Where do we dive in? Why do we care about the quality and how how can we learn more about it? Well, simply put, it's kind of like, do you really want cancer or (laughs) any other health issue come up because you decided to take something for your health that was in a supplemental form? That's terrifying. (laughs) It is. But I think when when you put it simply like that, it makes people more compelled to understand that, oh, this is something I need to take ownership of and look out for myself and become a savvy consumer of because there's good supplement companies and there are not so good supplement companies. And when we're talking about your long-term health, that means it's something that is not, it shouldn't be taken lightly. And I feel like in America, we look at supplementation as something that is not harmful or it cannot affect our health. It can only enhance our health. And when they do surveys, um, looking at what people's perception of supplements are, Across the board, there's been multiple surveys. 
when they look at it, 85% of all people surveyed, and these are large surveys, like 100,000 people, 200,000 okay. people. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. Uh, believe that because supplements are considered natural, quote unquote, and or from plants or a vitamin mineral, that there can be no harm associated with taking them. Wow. And the quality conversation goes into the fact that the supplement industry is a giant profit industry. It, just like everything else, there's multiple variations of the same thing. If you've ever been into an over-the-counter pharmacy, a health food store, a vitamin shop, even looking online to buy a multivitamin or a B12 supplement, whatever it is, you'll notice that there's the same thing created by 5, 10, 20, 50, possibly 100 different companies out there. And it just begs the question, like, where do I start? Who do I trust? How am I even supposed to decide what to take? Do you go off of price? Do you go off of added ingredients? Like, what? where do we go from there? It's really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, all of the above. Because yeah. the thing is, the supplement industry is a, as of 2018 is a $46 billion industry Ugh. in the United States. Wow. Worldwide, it's an $133 billion industry. And it's anticipated to go all the way up to $220 billion worldwide by 2022, which is literally right around the corner. Yeah. I mean, there's been a huge shift in preventative health and supplementation and taking better care of your body. So I'm sure those companies are loving it. They're profiting from it. But who do we know who to trust? Yeah. And that's really important. And that's the thing you want to with anything that you buy, you want to take the time to make sure that who you are buying from is is a company that actually cares about your long-term health and what they are giving you and are they giving you a quality product? Yeah. Yes. So I think one of the big, there's so many directions you can start with, <laughs> but the simple statement I do want to start with to just open up the already, okay, I need to start questioning and looking at this larger is just because you swallowed something does not mean that you are absorbing it. And that goes for food as well. And I see this so often in the food camp fights about, oh, you just weren't doing this diet well enough. That's right. why you failed. When in fact, the overarching bigger picture that is not talked about and it's going to it's going to escalate in talking about because more and more people are doing, you know, fad diets that are removing lots of different food categories is the fact that you are not what you eat. You are what you absorb. Yeah. And if you are not absorbing what you are putting on your plate and or what you are swallowing, you're you're not going to see any shift in your health and you're actually going to see a shift in decline of health. Yeah. And I mean, that's totally appropriate. In last week's episode with Heather in episode 29, we talked all about that, that there's so many factors more than just the food that you choose to eat in the way that your body digests and absorbs it and utilizes it. And there's all these factors that go along with it. And it sounds like what you're saying is supplements are in the exact same boat. That just because it's in pill form and it promises 500 micrograms of something doesn't necessarily mean that your body at a cellular level is going to be utilizing that. Yes, that's thought on. <laughs> <laughs> and or even if it's going to get broken down to a usable form. Or if it even actually contains 500 micrograms of said ingredient. Yes. <laughs> that's you're, the scarier you're, part. You're, yes, you're skipping right apart to a part that's really important <laughs> because that's the thing that I really want to break down is all the nuances associated with supplementation and all the different things that you want to take into account. And there's a lot. And I think one of the first blanket 
um, things that many people kind of put them again in the safe category is this illusion that the FDA is monitoring what's being put on the shelf. Yeah. we, We always believe that someone else is looking out for us, which is true and false all at the same time. So the FDA does monitor supplements, but not in the way that most people think they are monitoring supplements. So they fall, supplements fall under the food category, which is why the FDA monitors them. But the only thing that they are monitoring is labeling and claims of a supplement. Yeah, they don't want anyone promising miracles with any one certain herb or vitamin. Correct. So you can't say this is going to prevent heart disease. Or this herb will cure cancer. Correct. So that is what they are vigilant in looking into. And what I find is most people actually believe that they're ensuring potency, they're ensuring purity, they're ensuring that what is on the label is in the product, they're ensuring that what the ingredient is, is a good ingredient sourced from a good place, and they aren't involved in any of that. And that is the big issue with the supplement industry right there. So is anybody actually regulating it? No. So, no. (laughs) For lack of a better answer. Lack of a better answer, no. (laughs) So what you want to be looking for is basically certifications, which I will talk through, which means that the company themselves are paying extra money and they themselves wanted to know how to ensure quality better by doing these certification programs, learning how to create better quality supplements and also making sure that quality control measures are happening. So there's certifications that you want to look for on a bottle because that means that company cares about, you know, specific things that they want you to know that they're paying extra money to yeah. get that certification. From like, my perspective, they're they're showing you that they're investing in their future customers. They want yes. long-term customers. They want to invest in you and prove to you that they also care. So if you pick up a bottle and there's like five or six little cir- circles and logos along the bottom or down the side, that's more reassuring to me than something that just says a generic herb with a generic label and no background of what they've done to certify or double check or verify that what they're offering is truly what's in the bottle. Yes. So the first thing, let's just stay on certifications and then I'm going to go back and explain why you want to see some of these labels. So what do we look for? First thing you want to see is what's called good manufacturing practices. So again, this is about quality control. This is ensuring that the raw materials are being stored properly Um, They're not being heated or exposed to air for too long where they're destroying the quality of that supplement. They're ensuring that machines are being cleaned properly. They're ensuring that basically the order of how these supplements are produced are done in a timely manner. So again, it's not harming your health. So it's not still microscope looking at okay, is what's on the label what's in here necessarily? It does it a little bit to make you feel better. But in general, you want to see that someone is paying for good manufacturing prompt, uh, practices, and that's abbreviated as GMP mm-hmm. or with a little c, GMP. So you want to see that. And the caveat to that is there's little supplement companies that are doing things right that cannot afford to pay for this. Right. But Just like those, the farmer that can't pay for the organic yes. certification. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But in a lot of cases, 
because what we're talking about with these certifications overall is just saying that a third party is monitoring what we are doing and or analyzing the raw materials that we are using to ensure that they're quality. And so even little supplement companies that are good quality will have certifications saying, okay, you know, this herb, let's just use curcumin. This curcumin is actually curcumin. We have specs that analyzed it and showed that this product is curcumin and we're not using something else in its place. So they will have all of these um, identifiers and ways to show you if you email them say hey I don't see GMP how do you guys ensure quality really good supplement companies are going to email you back a long list of how they are ensuring the quality of their products but the main thing that you're looking for is that it's third party certified right. which we will talk about some really popular brands right now that say all of the right things but they're they're ensuring their own quality. They are not ensuring it through a third party eyeball, essentially. Interesting. Yeah, you don't want things can sound really good on paper, but you don't want a company that says, oh, we, we, we show where we get our ingredients from. We care about quality. We do all of these things and all of it is internal. That is a red flag right there, because if it's just internal, it means they're trying to hide something. They, because a third party should be able to come in and do all of that certification, and they should be really proud of the fact that someone else can walk into their business and say, yeah, this is, they're really doing this. Yeah, they're ensuring they these things. Correct. So the GMP certification is the main certification you look for. So if you pick up a bottle and it's not GMP certified, you'll most likely put it down unless you've heard good things about the company and you'll look a little closer maybe at their website or reach out and email them and ask them about their practices. But are there any other specific logo certifications on the bottle that we can pay attention to? Yes. So you want to look for NSF, which is stands for National Sanitation Foundation. And this is really important, especially if you are an athlete, because this logo, which is growing, this is more of a new certification is saying that they analyze these products and they're safe to consume if you are an athlete and they won't have any contaminants or anything that could come up with urine testing, et cetera. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So uh, there's no performance enhancements in there. There's, there's no heavy metals, things that can trigger saying, oh, this person is, you know, doping essentially. It ensures that that product will not get you a false positive on urine samples. Okay which is really important, yeah. especially for any athlete. And then the other one is uh, Therapeutic Goods Administration, which is TGA. Again, a smaller one, but if you see that, again, that supplement company is paying for a third-party certification, which means they care. And then another one is NPA, which is Natural Products Association, and they are a third-party GMP certification. So Again, they're making sure that you're using good quality control, which you want to see. And are any of those certifications specifically looking at the actual ingredients and potency within the bottle? Or are those just looking at the manufacturing process? Manufacturing process, but all of them do do their best to look at potency. So trying to ensure that what is being said about the supplement itself and the quality is actually there. And the amount provided by the pill. 
Yes, but to say that is foolproof, it's not, but it is a, it's a really good thing to see because it means they are trying. And, and in general, when a company is trying, it also means that they're trying to give you a better product. Right. And uh, how do you feel about like the non-GMO certification or the organic certification when you see that on a supplement? Does it have as much power as it does when you see it like on a food product? So uh, again, there's caveats. So obviously yeah. certain nutrients and products that are in supplements don't necessarily need to be organic. I will say that right off the bat. So it doesn't mean that it's better, which we will talk through all the ways you know something's better. So just seeing organic or non-GMO does not necessarily mean it's better, but especially quality-wise, if there is a lot of extra additives, which we're going to talk through that, and you don't want to see a lot of extra additives, but in general, you're going to have two or three because you have to um, create a product that's going to, you know, break up well in stomach acid, et cetera. There's reasons why some additives are added, but you want to see non-GMO listed because a lot of the over-the-counter products will have cornstarch, which I'll keep talking about this. But, As a filler. Oh yeah. There's lots of fillers that are actually GMOs. And if you don't see non-GMO on the label, that means you are swallowing GMOs. So you're taking a supplement heavily sprayed with glyphosate and (laughs) with altered DNA along with your vitamin. Yes. It's, it's, it's a, it's yummy. (laughs) So good for you too. Yeah. Well, since we're on it, let's just, yeah, let's just go into it. Yeah. So the first thing you do not want to see on any supplement you are taking is any artificial colors. So before you go too deep, where do you see the added ingredients? Because that's the biggest thing I think people miss. Because you look at the front of the bottle, it tells you, oh, it's a multivitamin or it's fish oil or whatever on the front. And you turn it around. And then in the black box with the nutrition facts, it looks like that's all that it includes. Right. And then you want to take your eyes all the way down from the top of the box to the bottom of the box. And then underneath the box on the outside. (laughs) Somewhere. It could even be, you know, along the, you know, going horizontal instead of, or vertical versus horizontal. They hide it, especially if they don't want you to know the extra ingredients. Companies that are proud, you're going to see it right away. But you want to look for, um, it's usually labeled extra ingredients and or additives. It will literally say that. Yeah. And then you want to read the list. And in that list, you want to see no artificial colors, which means no blue number one, no blue number two, no green number three, no red number three, no red 40, no yellow number five, and no yellow number six. I mean, I don't think supplements need to be any special color artificially because it's just a pill in a bottle that I'm going to swallow. I've never understood that. And this is, I'm glad we're talking about it because here's why. Uh, these artificial colors, one, are typically hiding a product that has either gone rancid oh, and or is oxidized. So the color is wrong. And they know that educated people are going to look at that and say, oh, well, the B vitamins are supposed to be orange and I don't see anything B. I mean, I don't see anything orange in this anymore. It's just gray. Oh, which, wow. I've never or, thought of it that way. And Yeah, so depending on when a vitamin oxidizes, it will either get brighter in color or it will die in color. It will completely, you know, it'll lose its how it should look. And so they hide 
these problems by coloring the product. I would say the hiding the coloring obviously is a huge issue, but I would say the other reason companies would most likely use added colors is if they're marketing a vitamin or a supplement to a child. So kids' vitamins and supplements are probably more heavily added with artificial colors because it's just part of the market. If it's brightly colored, it's more attractive and the kid's more likely to take it without a problem. Yeah, and they show this even with adults. This is part of why, because it's just... Kids oh, or adults the, would rather have a gummy multivitamin. I think probably with adults, it's association. So, oh, right, I have to go take that blue pill. Yeah. Oh, right, I have to go take that red. Because I even get this with drugs. A lot of times I'll be like, okay, what are you taking? And yeah, people will literally say, too. oh, it's the white tablet. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, what? that one. <laughs> that one. Or they'll say, oh, it's blue. And I'm like, okay, but what is it? Yeah. And that's the same with this. And companies know this. Like you're more likely to attach to something, especially if it has color. But as you were saying, with it's typically most commonly, especially used with children's line of supplements. And the scary part about that is artificial food dyes are correlated with um, causing hyperactivity in children. Yeah. Mood disorders, behavioral issues, all sorts of things. Yes. And in Europe, if a company uses any artificial colors, they have to label it and they have to put the warning just so you know this could make your child hyper. And it's and a, not a small warning. It's a bright like yellow sticker. It's very large, like getting their attention. Yes, which I think is how it should be here yeah. in America. You can because I do believe in freedom of choice. If you want to give your child blue dye number two and risk hyperactivity and causing you're allowed. But I think in general, though, most people do not know that their child can be running around crazy after taking their morning multivitamin (laughs) and they should be able to choose whether or not they still want that to be happening. Yeah, 100 percent. All right. What are the other ones? Okay, so the next big one is hydrogenated oils. Gross. So, yeah, a lot of times you're going to see flip a product over, especially gel cap type products and you're going to see soybean oil, you'll see sunflower oil, you'll see lots of different like oils listed or palm oil. Yes. And you do not want to see partially hydrogenated oils because essentially these are associated with increasing your LDL cholesterol, which is your bad cholesterol. But in general, they are typically also trans fats. And very inflammatory and linked to heart disease. (laughs) Yes. So you're, again, you think you're taking something good when in fact, because of the ingredients that are in there, you could actually be flaring your health instead of supporting your health. And it's the argument of, well, it's probably such a microscopic dose. Does it really matter? Yes, it matters a lot because with trans fat, research shows it's a little amount that is associated with causing heart disease and causing problems with inflammation and if it's something you're going to be taking on a daily basis like it's just a long-term exposure you want to avoid correct it's something you can control because there's better product out there that does not include these especially soybean oil and and again that would be something that you would want to see non-gmo on because soybean oil is typically always gmo and less listed right all right okay the other big one the more scary one is looking, um, and again, this is when you really want the certification to be on the bottle and why you want these certs on there, because a lot of supplements will contain lead, mercury, and PCBs. 
Wow. And yes, and this is especially bad in herbs and really bad in fish oil. And fish oil is something I, I'm really passionate about people taking high quality fish oil. And in this conversation, as you're listening, just so you know my stance, yeah, quality supplements do cost more. But my stance is if you're not going to choose to investigate and choose a better quality product because that just seems overwhelming or too hard, then you should not be supplementing. Yeah, I would agree with that. You would be better off not putting it in your body every day versus spending more money on an investment that's actually going to aid you in a healthier lifestyle long term. Correct. So if um, money is something that you're like, no, I just really can't do it, which we can talk through ways that you can, because a lot of times I find that people are just taking way too many things and they just need one, two or three high quality things. And when you combine the 17 low quality supplements that they're buying and the cost of all of those, as opposed to then just getting three quality things, the cost is usually about the same. But again, it's that mindset of being like, well, how many are you buying at, you know, between five and $10 price point? And how many would that actually add up to towards going to a high quality supplement? I think you interrupted yourself. You were going to say something about one of the next additives and why a certain certification was really important. Oh, yes. So with fish oil, Right. I was on talking yeah. about SEM. Yeah. Um, keep me on track today. <laughs> <laughs> but with fish oil, the big thing with that is you want it to, to say molecularly distilled and it absolutely must be third party tested. If it does not list on the label third party tested, even the words, especially in the fish oil arena, third party tested for quality, because actually the FDA cracked down really hard, I think in 2010 on fish oil because the, the, the startling results from how high the PCBs and the lead and the mercury were in fish oil was so concerning that they had to be like, oh, no, we can't let this keep happening. So they sent out warning letters, blanket warning letters to anyone selling fish oil and said, you need to get third party certified. Okay. So that's if you do not see it, and again, they can't double check to make sure everyone followed through with this rule. Right. So if you do not see third party tested, you don't want to buy it. But in general, my, the, this is one area I'm crazy. And so if you, as far as fish oil can, it goes, as far as over the counter availability, the only, the only brand I recommend that is over the counter is Nordic Naturals. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because that's what I'm taking. <laughs> <laughs> they are the only one. I've like, been holding I, my breath. I'm like, yeah, I really yeah. hope, I wish I had the bottle in front of me so I could check. But yeah, I remember seeing that it's like made from wild caught fish, all these things. And they, they are very much third party tested and very proud of the quality. Yes. And the reason why is they started out being only a, uh, a practitioner grade supplement that was available only to practitioners and then okay. they transitioned to uh, being more over the counter, which I'm going to break down why that matters. But simply put, that is the only one. And so many people are taking like Kirkland, the Costco brand. Yeah, that's what my oils. parents used to take growing up. I remember those big like yellow and brown bottles. <laughs> okay, here's the thing with fish oil, because this is really, really, really important. One, you do not want to be buying large bottles. <laughs> so again, Nordic Naturals, when you really go and compare on the shelf, you're suddenly going to notice, oh, that's why their bottle is so small. That is why I'm not getting a giant 240 gel cap yeah. fish oil is because 
with any supplement, but it's especially problematic with fish oil. Every time you open that lid and expose it to air, the fish oil is being oxidized. And oxidization causes inflammation in the body. That oil is turning into what's called a pro-oxidant instead of an antioxidant. So what I always tell anyone, with if you take fish oil, which is a good thing to be taking, you want to keep saving your bottle so that you can keep dividing up the amount of fish oil in the bottle that you are opening consistently daily. So simply put, what I usually say is take your bottle and divide it in fourths. Put the other three bottles that you put about a quarter of the gel caps in into a cool, dark place and only take from that one bottle until it's gone with that one fourth amount left in it. That's because smart. That's how seriously the oxidation problem is. Does refrigeration so- help at all? Mm, no, not really. Okay. I, I usually tell people if that's going to make you feel better, go yeah, for it. And but it, it doesn't, doesn't really re- play. No, I don't think it does. I, the, the air issue is more of the big. And issue. just a simple test. I've heard this in the past that if you're taking fish oil supplement and you're burping up what tastes like fishy, <laughs> that is a huge red flag that the fish oil you're taking is rancid and you need to stop taking it. Because I've been taking my fish oil supplement ever since I found out I was pregnant and I have never once like had a fishy burp or felt like I was like tasting fish. Yes. Two giant things. That one, if you swallow it and you are burping, it is rancid, but the only asterisk to that is if you're like, I'm taking a pharmaceutical grade fish oil and or Nordic Naturals and I'm still burping, then that comes down to you probably have low stomach acid and a, there's a digestion issue going on there. And it actually, your body's trying to communicate that. So just know if you're taking high quality and you're burping, that's what that means. But if you're taking low quality and you've, and most people come to my office and joke to me and go, oh, fish oil always makes me burp. I always know I took it because I can taste it. And I'm like, no, that's not good. Like, that's not a good fish oil. <laughs> it's really not good. But the second big thing with that is if you open your fish oil and you can smell fish, it's not a good quality yeah, fish oil. that's terrible. It's so bad. So people think it's a... Kind of like a wives' tale. Oh, fish oil just smells terrible. And it's like, no, that means it's completely oxidized and you are eating completely dead fish. Like there's nothing good going in your body if your fish oil (laughs) smells like dead fish. (laughs) And just to backtrack for a quick second, if in case her low stomach acid comment piqued your interest, we did a very large part of episode 23 when we were talking about celery juice and its effects on the body. We spent, I would say, probably like 15, 20 minutes of that episode really diving into stomach acid and things you can do to help and things to look for if you're concerned it might be a problem for you. So if you're just now discovering this podcast and that sparked your interest because you know your fish qualities, your fish supplement is high quality, but that's still an issue for you, head back to episode 23 and listen into that. All right. So we've covered additives. Were there any other added things? I think one thing I was expecting you to talk about was like added sweeteners and artificial sweeteners yep. and stuff. We haven't finished the list yet. So one big <laughs> thing is you don't want to see talc or magnesium silicate on the label because those basically um, they're cheap fillers, but they are actually associated with cancer. So oh, wow. you do not want to see those on the label. They're just desiccants, we- right? Like they keep it dry. They yes. absorb moisture. Correct. They make they are basically an anti-caking agent. So they make sure that your supplement doesn't harden. So cake up and be all weird. 
but there are so many other options that aren't associated with increased risk of cancer. The same goes for titanium dioxide, and this is literally used for aesthetics, again, to make the supplement more white or a better color. And it's actually been shown to cause lung inflammation and can really decrease the immune system. So if you see titanium dioxide, which you will, on labels, you do not want to be eating that supplement. Wow. And then the last one, the big one, the fillers and the additive ingredients. And these are especially, so sometimes you have to make a certain weight for a, a supplement, and then they're just using this to fill to meet that requirement. But in general, a lot of these are used as flow agents or anti-caking and or, weirdly enough, just to bind it. So here's the list. It's it's a little long, and I will put all these on our website. Yeah, we'll and it it'll be available out. in the show notes, too. I yes. know a lot of you say you take notes during this, but sometimes you're driving and you just don't have the chance to write things down. And this is really critical information. So we'll make it in a really easy to access like chart reference that you can access when you're look, looking at supplements in your house or at the store and you can just pull it up on the website. Yes. So big ones you want to avoid. You should not see any BHA or BHT and companies will make this sound like the best thing ever for you. Like we make sure that your supplement doesn't spoil using these. And it's like, no, there's nothing good associated with either of these two preservatives. You will also see cane sugar, high fructose corn syrup, um, disodium, hydrogen phosphate, fructose, um, anything that says shellac, you want to avoid that. Anything that lists wax, um, any um, methyl cellulose. And there are some caveats to cellulose because there's supplements that I really like that are going to use it. But the key with anything fiber like inulin, cellulose in that category, you do not want to see that as the first ingredient in the additive list because it means it's the largest ingredient. And the problem with all of these additives and fillers is they literally inhibit the absorption of that vitamin, mineral, herb, whatever good thing that you're trying to take, it literally blocks the absorption of the good stuff. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And the sad thing is, is all these things that you just listed are pretty prevalent. I'm actually even surprised when I go to Whole Foods and like try and look for a new supplement. Like it's so frustrating. And it's so don't give up, guys. At the end of this episode, she is going to list off some different resources of where you can go to find things and also a few brands she does trust and knows that you can start from there. So don't yes. don't give up yet. Hang in there. This is all really overwhelming, but I promise we will help you out at the, at the end. <laughs> yes. Don't get overwhelmed with this. This is empowering. Don't, <laughs> don't let it shut you down. That's what I always tell everyone. Yeah. Because and there are loopholes to things because there are some, like I said, good quality supplements that I will even recommend that sometimes you need to add, you know, a little bit of, like I said, methylcellulose or cellulose or something like that. But those are caveats and asterisks that I feel like are just going to overwhelm everyone. So blanket statement, just start with looking at the things that I listed. And again, we'll have them on the website. But again, I'm going to break down some really good brands here eventually. But <laughs> Uh, you just want to become informed. You want to start flipping your labels. And if you don't know what it is, again, that's not necessarily bad, but if you don't know what it is or you're having that epiphany moment of like, why does my multivitamin have 17 extra ingredients listed after, you know, I was only ever noticing 
the nutrient panel, right. and I never looked at this before. And that's really what this conversation is about is, okay, what is in what I'm taking? Yeah. And how can this be affecting me? And if they're adding in all those extra fillers and things, you just have to question how much of the good stuff is even actually in there. And that's what I even do with the food products that I buy. If I'm buying something in a package and I turn it around and like the first few ingredients are really simple and clean and then it's just a whole bunch of other additives. It's like, well, wait, like why do you need to put all this in when really my body just recognizes these first few ingredients as food? Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. one of those, where do you want to put your money? What do you want to put in your body? And you decide what's ultimately important to you. So, all right, guys, I don't know about you, but I am overwhelmed with all of that information. This episode easily went over an hour when Jen and I sat down to talk about all the things you need to know about supplements and supplement quality and certifications and all of the things we've already talked about and all of the things you haven't even heard yet. I want to give you a chance to absorb it. Maybe go back and listen to the parts that you need to re-listen to or even head over to the website, criticalconversationspodcast.com slash episode 030. That's where you'll find all of this broken down into the easy bullet points and easy to reference resource that you need for later, especially when you're looking for that next vitamin or supplement you plan to purchase. So I promise you, you do not have to wait a whole week for the next episode to come out. I'll release it on Monday. I'm going to give you a few days, let this one sink in, let you share it with your friends and family, take a screen grab, show it on social media, tag us at Critical Conversations, help me get the word out there. And we will continue this conversation next week. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. We will see you soon.